Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Mazur, with everyone else here at Behind Popped Off. I'm very excited to introduce Phoenix Watch, a show wholly dedicated to you, the growing community around Ashes of Creation. Today, we're going to be talking to another guild leader, Kay Vaughn of the Grey Sentinels, as we dive into his plans for another hardcore roleplay guild that's going into the game. And during the second half of this episode, we'll be talking about a small community he's built up around other guild leaders of uh, with roleplay intent called the Ashen Pillar. Kayvon, how are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. It's actually good to talk to you. So Awesome. Yeah. Uh, for those who, I guess you have, would have no way of knowing, Kayvon reached out to me after we launched our first four episodes, and that's kind of exciting for this episode. It's the first one after our launch. Uh, if any of you guys out there listening want to be on the show or have ideas for the show, definitely feel free to reach out. I, I love getting those messages. And if I'm correct, you also have two officers with you. If you want to introduce us. All right. Well, first off, we have uh, Mavi, uh, Maviotis. Um, he is going to be one of our uh, PvP officers. And then we also have, oh, well, I guess Mavi, introduce yourself. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maviotis. I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you and seeing you guys in Ashes of Creation, hopefully on the battlefield, maybe on our side, maybe not. And then we also have um, one, one of my good friends here, uh, I've RP'd with her for years and years. Um, she's going to be helping sort um, RP within um, uh, Grey Sentinels and also kind of doing some alliance and foreign diplomacy stuff as well. Uh, Sabaya here. So. Of course you introduce him first. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm Sabaya. I've been doing uh, community building in uh, MMOs since uh, Star Wars Galaxies, and I'm really excited to see what uh, you know the RP community can create and develop in uh, Ashes of Creation. Awesome. Well, welcome both of you. I'm, I'm excited to have you both on the show. And before we dive into the Gray Sentinels, we definitely will. Uh, how about we start off with you, Kayvon, as, as the intrepid leader of this ragtag group of adventurers. Tell us a bit about your history, your experience with video games leading into becoming a guild leader well so i guess i would say i'm kind of one of the one of the younger guild leads out there in the ashes community a lot of the guild leads are like in their late 20s 30s and even 40s um so i'm only like 26 but when i my first ever uh gaming experience was back on the n64 with mario kart and smash at a friend's house and then I kind of slowly went into with uh, Warcraft 3 for that. And that was actually my first experience with um, uh, World of Warcraft and Warcraft 3 were my first experiences with uh, role play on like uh, actual game side. Like obviously I did all like the, the text room role plays with like AOL and stuff back in the day. But um, it really kind of took off with Warcraft 3 uh, where I started... Uh, my first clan at 12 years old and then we slowly as the game the game went on and got older we actually started collecting all of the uh big role play um custom map makers into uh the guild and started pushing out our own content at the time so after years and years and tons of different guilds on tons of different games um here we are for ashes and i'm hoping to really give this uh this game a, a long uh well be playing it for a really long time and and to 
experience um, all the various stories we can tell with it. So, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. Mavi, uh, you're the PvP officer. What's your experience with video games, and of course, with PvP in video games? Uh, my vibe's kind of come back from the same roots as Anduin with uh, Nintendo 64, Xbox, the original Xbox, rolling all the way back to you know playing Battlefront. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. My experience compared to these two is a little bit uh, shorter of a shorter time frame. I started running groups, leading units, guilds, stuff like that around 2016 when I got into PC gaming. Uh, everything from my own gaming community to being officers in RP guilds into PvP guilds. Uh, my most recent would be my own Arma 3 unit that I ran for about a year and a half. We did a lot of PvP with other groups, got entwined with other groups, did a lot of operations, stuff like that. Grand strategy games from like Rome to the Total War series, Stellaris, Paradox games has been mostly my focal point with in gaming for the past six years now. So really just kind of looking to see what how Ashes is going to be on the grand strategy. Obviously, we're going to have a bunch of different guilds teaming up with each other, as we have done here with the uh, the RP community, but I know PvP is going to be a whole different ball game in this game, with it being supposedly very different than uh, past MMOs. With how PvP is going to go, it's reminding me a lot of how Eve Online is going to be. So, with experience from games like Eve Online, Planet Side, stuff like that, I'm going to be looking forward to adapting a new, pretty much a new game plan to this game and be able to protect our borders while also enjoying it, making it not uh, less of a work as it would be in EVE Online, and more fun for the rest of the guild. I, I agree. I think Ashes is going to be a lot a, a lot different. You already see a lot of people are talking about the the different types of builds. So there's, there's I, I would say that's a lot of bleed over from World of Warcraft, where they think that oh, you're going to yeah. have a PvE build and a PvP build. Like, you're going to need a PvP to get to your dungeon, and then again, when you leave that raid, when if you get to the instant bo instance to raid boss, you need to get home. <laughs> with, with yep. your um, and it, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in both the micro and the macro PvP, which is good. I said that's very strong to, to bring to the table. Sabaya, how about you? So I got started uh, all the way back in, uh, well, if you really want to talk about my first game, it was Bernstein Bears Teaches Typing uh, way, way too long ago. I'm a little older than these two. But really got into uh, roleplay, specifically uh, in MMOs, uh, with the first EverQuest, uh, and then uh, Star Wars Galaxies uh, back in 2003. And I am the uh, Care Bear that hides behind people like Mavi, and uh, you know works to try and build a, a an RP community in a sense that things are really alive. Like one project I'm working right now. Oh, in uh, uh, the Old Republic is we're actually doing a campaign with about a hundred different players, a mix of in-game and Discord roleplay, uh, contesting over a planet in the outer room between multiple guilds. You know, something that makes the galaxy feel alive and is something that so many people can contribute to in different ways. And that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to bringing to Ashes because. It very much is a game in the spirit of Star Wars Galaxies with the open world, with the sandbox, where, you know, we're going to have nodes where 
or you know, we'll start it off by building, you know, cornerstone events that are going to draw people into our node and into the nodes of people that we're working with. Things like tavern nights, festivals. And through that, people are going to realize, hey, if you come to, you know, this node during these hours, you will find people role-playing there. And then it just sort of snowballs. And we've done this before with, you know, things like cities back in uh, Star Wars Galaxies again. And it just, it creates a living, breathing world, especially, uh, you know, Anduin has this amazing plan for groups of like lore masters and criers that will go from town to town, node to node, spreading news in character. So you might be sitting in a uh, tavern in you know a city of dwarf peers and hear a crier talking about you know the uh, the great general Mavi has uh, you know conquered another node or something all in character and all to kind of develop that sense that the world around you is living and breathing and all you have to do is you know get involved take that plunge and immerse yourself into something truly incredible. And I think Ashes is giving us the tools that we have not had in really about a decade now with a true sandbox MMO to develop something incredible. Yeah, that's far more in detail than a lot of people have brought up uh, in episodes past. So we're definitely going to dig into that. I'm very excited for that. Before we do a deep dive into that, though, and for anyone confused, uh, Kayvon's full name is Anduin Kayvon, hence Anduin. It's it's not just some random person I forgot to introduce into the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm his evil twin, actually. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, uh, tell us, uh, let, let's, let's go a little bigger and tell us a little bit more about the guild, about the Grey Sentinels your, and your goals and some, maybe some of the narratives you're already trying to start up. Okay, so um, the Grey Sentinels was started about, I would say, four years ago. Um, We started with um, Ashes in Mind. Um, A bunch of us actually came from a game called uh, Warhammer 40k Eternal Crusade. And uh, basically, a bunch of us were looking for a game that we can play. We can really develop our time on there. And, well, Eternal Crusade, uh, well, if, if anyone who's listening knows about it, it kind of died off. It's, it's, a, it's a dead game, even though I love the Warhammer universe. Um, but we took a lot of the inspiration and stuff from, like, the, the chapters, the Eldar, the Orcs, all of these different things. And we kind of mashed them together into this idea of, you know, what would all of this look like? in a world that is fantasy that is not Warhammer, you know, where it's not just grim dark all the time. So we took a lot of these inspirations and we moved towards Ashes. So Grace Sentinels has been expanding. Originally we kind of went with this idea way, way back that we were gonna do this like round table type of thing. And for a while it, you know, it worked until we started having members butt heads. I mean, as as they always do in, in guilds. I mean, any guild leader can can completely understand that, you know, when you get a you get when you get even three personalities in a room, there's eventually there's time that you're gonna butt heads. So um 
basically we kind of change towards more of this uh, this noble house and uh, order type of setup. So we wanted to have where um, we had this this noble house from way back in the day in in uh, back on on Vera before the fall uh, named House Cave On. It it was it. It had been involved with uh, with all these wars and stuff between the elves and the humans and the orcs and dwarves, and you know they're constantly at war. Well, eventually one of the lords um, uh, back back then he just kind of broke after a siege, and he saw all of these these crying children, these these old men and women, the you know mothers who are mourning their sons, and he said. You know, there's something more to this world than just, you know, serving your liege lord and something more than just war. So at that time, he swore that he would uh, come back and actually um, create a an order the called the Grey Sentinels that it it's not necessarily a peaceful group, but it's one of these groups that, you know, they wish to bring about balance to bring about that peace in the world through any means necessary so that's kind of where that whole gray morality where the whole word gray comes from is the idea that you know we will bring peace through the sword if necessary um and and the whole reason behind that is because i mean you have always you always have these knightly orders that like they're the they're the paladins you know out there that are always you know always do good always you know never falter or like jedi who who you know you you have to do the whatever is for the light or you know you have your sith or your evil necromancer groups that are that are just the bad guys we wanted to go something in the middle that gives it so our our players our members have agency in their actions so you know they can do good they can do bad you know and i am i personally am not i hate railroading uh by dms or gms or uh whatever whoever's organizing rp i want the uh our members to have agency so another thing that our our guild has been built upon is the idea of player agency so their actions actually matter to the grand scheme of the story of the Grey Sentinels and of House Kayvon. Um, another thing is is that we really do believe that we value every single member's input, no matter if they're a brand new initiate or they're a long-term time veteran. Um, you know, because I mean, that's the thing is every time you recruit someone in new, you shouldn't be treating them like they're some some newbie. You should be treating them as a member of the family so they can get involved and get and and really feel comfortable being there. So Gray Sentinels has really been growing in in a in a way that I'm happy about because I I want the people who I'm playing with to be my friends to feel like a family on the internet you know as people you can go to and I think so far we're we're accomplishing that task but you know the long term goals for GS is we want to go out and establish ourselves as um, leaders of like a metropolis eventually obviously you're going to need a bunch of different guilds to go in there we've been working with alliances and establishing ourselves with uh, all these different groups but eventually we want to establish ourselves in a node and then also um, since i am a hardcore pvp myself i want to go out and claim a castle 
and really uh, establish ourselves in the world as really one of the only RP kingdoms, I'm assuming, that are going to be out there. Because not only are we RPers, but we're going to have the backbone to back up any claims or holds that we have. So that's where we're where we have for goals, at least in the short term. So. Okay. I mean, you say short term, those are some lofty goals. I think they're going to take a good amount of time to build up, but yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Like like short term as in like, you know, within the first like two or three months, because I'm hoping that Ashes and GS will last well into the future, into, you know, many, many months. So, you know, like short term, to me, when I talk about a game, is I look short term is six months. You know, six months into the game is is short term, especially sure. when it's a, when it's a brand new game. And yeah, it's it's interesting that that's kind of you guys had a more Warhammer uh, mm -hmm. start because I know when I first read your uh, your intro in in the forums and then also of course in Discord, I, I got a very huge uh, Dragon Age Origins vibe. There is some of that. So some of our founders were actually Dragon Age and um, were big Dragon Age fans. So we kind of had that. The idea, you know, when with roleplay, at least for me, is the best roleplay idea isn't taken from one source. You take it from as many different sources as you can and you create something new. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I DM a number of campaigns and I am unabashed thief. I'll steal anything I think is neat. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Grey Wardens. That's the word I was. That's it. For. Yep. That mm -hmm. that's like a thorn coming out. But yeah, um, because that, that's definitely the vibe I got. Would you say if uh, for people who want like a really quick summary, you can go look at Grey Wardens. That's pretty much what you're doing. I would say the Grey Wardens would be a very similar setup to what we have, at least for the order side of things, you mm -hmm. know, protecting protecting the balance and stuff around the world. Uh, the house, on another hand, is completely think, think of, you know, just a stereotypical house that, you know, believes that merit trumps anything and that there's equality in the world and that, you know, we're we're recruiting in all of the races knowing that each race is bringing in something else to the table that we can that we can uh work with a sort of melting pot of cultures is kind of what we're kind of go going for the noble house so and i guess i'll, I'll swap the order this time sabaya how uh how would you say like growing the rp side of gray sentinels has gone and is currently going as far as ashes creation well i think uh you know we've got a lot of great people coming in who are really excited it, it's been so much fun to uh talk to everybody uh about uh their ideas we're still very much in a planning stage i don't want to steal anduin's thunder too much by uh droning on about the uh you know the kingdom project and uh you know plans to take all these various groups that we're that you know we're working with and uh you know kind of entwine everything together uh, into, uh, you know, a living, breathing story, uh, like I was talking about earlier. For the moment, it's all still very much, you know, set up, we're building lore, we're building background. I think that the primary goal right now is to be able to hit the ground running. And so while you have, you know, uh, Anduin and Mavi that are going in and uh, staking out our claims, 
uh, to make sure that, you know, we have a node or even a castle, uh, you know, if they uh, get lucky, that the rest of us coming in behind will kind of have a blueprint to hit the ground running and make sure that, you know, because I've seen this before in a lot of MMOs starting out. People are going to just push and push and push and burn themselves out. Uh, you know, one of my goals for, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks, certainly, is to get that RP going. Even if it's just, you know, setting up a tavern and giving people a place to hang out. Uh, because otherwise, you know, I've seen in so many games, people just uh, throw themselves into everything uh, and then just burn out where I think we've got a really good um, plan in place to get everything started quickly, start building that immersive world, uh, you know, have the foundations both in the game's lore and our own uh, custom guild lore that you know, this way we're, we're just going to get moving uh, very quickly. Like uh, Anduin, uh has plans for you know like a royal wedding uh, right at the start to get everybody together. Uh, we we're talking about doing say like a royal visit to uh, all the different nodes and territories to be claimed. Kind of giving everybody a spotlight right off the bat, so that as soon as we're kind of settled and in place, we're already going around showing off. All the, all the best of the Grey Sentinels and our allies to start building that world right away as quickly as possible. So one thing I would like to piggyback off mm-hmm. here, a big reason why we're making these grandiose plans, we're not just some small 10 to 50 man guild, like so many guilds out there that, you know, they all want to be server first or the best and stuff. We've been established in the community for around three or four years. and. Uh, even though we do not interact as much because there is some drama that happens in the community um but what we are we have around 200 to 250 members right now that if the game were to come out tomorrow we'd be ready to hit the road um so like my goal at least with when it comes to uh having those um those buffs and stuff based on you know how your guild levels up we would like to be actually at about 250 so we can get some of those guild buffs while still having enough numbers that we can hit people hard because of having uh enough clout on the map so you know it's 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 less about you know recruitment at this point and more about retention and about planning for the future okay yeah as we move a little bit away from the RP uh, to mm-hmm. maybe, what are you guys? Uh, what are your current preparations for PvP and uh, setting up that pillar of the guild? Uh, well, right now I'm not going to go too much into it. Obviously, some trade secrets I'd like to keep uh, keep hidden from other guilds that may <laughs> or may not become our enemies. So currently, right now, it's just coming down with a game plan for the game itself. Right, there's still a lot of uh, a lot of information from the game in terms of PvP, uh, different archetypes from the classes. You know, the six four archetypes with the eight main classes that I'm still waiting to see what skills are going to come out, what abilities, passives, uh, racial passives, stuff like that, determining what's going to be the best tank build, what's going to be the best you know range DPS, close range DPS, AOEs. 
healers, you know, you name it. So right now it's just more of a numbers game waiting for that information to come out from Intrepid Studios. Once they give us that information in detail, what I'm going to guess is probably going to be around the betas is when they'll probably start really pushing forward with, hey, this is what we have for PvP. These are the archetypes. These are their skills. Go test them out. Go have fun with it. During that time frame is when we're going to be really looking into the the nitty gritty, you know, the numbers and whatnot. As for structure wise, obviously we're going to have guilds out there that are going to be hardcore PvPers, right? Well, I'm definitely expecting we're going to be going against people that are going to be at our, at our strength level, if not stronger than us in terms of PvP. It's just uh, the nature of things. EVE Online is a great uh, great way to kind of compare. You could be the biggest, baddest one in the sector, but as soon as you go outside your sector, you go to the northern regions or something like that, or you go to eastern, whatever, you know, there's that, the goon swarm, so to speak, you know. Shout out to the goons out there. You got those guys out there that just come in. If you don't know their plan, if they don't know their plan, you don't know their plan, you know what I mean? So we're definitely going to be going against people with that are hardcore PvEers that are going to just defend to defend because they have not, they can't do anything else. We're going to have people who are coming out and attacking us directly just because they see what we're building. You have those, I'm not going to say uh, bad people, but you know it's just the way they want to play the game, and I respect that. They just want to come out, they see what we're building, they see the kingdom we're building, both in terms of PvP, RP, and they're like, hey, I want to get in on that, but not the way that, you know, I don't want to join them, I wanted to destroy that. You're going to have those evil PvP RPers as well that are going to come out and say, oh, my kingdom is coming after you now. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have to go toe to toe with in terms of PvP, especially with the siege battles and stuff like that. How I see them, how I see Intrepid Studios kind of presenting the siege battles is definitely different than most things that most MMOs and uh, of the sort that I've seen. Once again, kind of referring back to EVE Online, kind of your sieges on the citadels and stuff like that, taking those on. So. Definitely going to have your groups of 200 that just, you know, your guilds that bring up 200 people that are just PVEers that they just kitted out for PvP because they needed the numbers. And then we're also going to be going against, you know, those elite groups of PVPers that are 50 to 100 strong, all hardcore PVPers that are going to be probably their biggest trouble to deal with. Numbers can be a great help, but if you have essentially like Red Alliance, your 70 experienced pilots versus 400 uh, that are pretty much just a ragtag group. It's essentially the same as your Spartan group versus your Persians, you know. So in terms of builds experience, we definitely have that. We will have that. We have a large group of PVPers, hardcore PVPers that we have a uh, is it all right if I tell SA and go, go ahead, it? man? So yeah, the Aquilin Guard is what they are called. This has been a long running thing since uh, Anduin first started the Great Sentinels. The Aquilin Guard is our our hardcore gamers, our hardcore PVPers, the ones that get down straight to the numbers. They get down on the builds. You know, they are the ones setting the standard for builds, setting the standard for you know the PVP, the flow of PVP. So we're definitely going to have our Praetorian Guard, is what I'm going to call it. I like to go off the Roman side of things. So definitely going to have our Praetorian Guard. We're definitely going to have our regular legionaries in terms of our just kind of casual PvPers, the ones that do want to get in on the action. And then, of course, we're going to have a large part portion of players that are going to be your PvEers, your crafters, stuff like that, which will be turned into essentially your auxiliary forces, your militia that are going to be pulling together. Because the way of my understanding is with the nodes and the metropolises, shops, freeholds, if we come under attack, the 
average crafter is not going to have the chance to just sit back and watch the fight because that is their shop, that is their lives, that is their loot that is going to be at stake. If we lose that node, if we lose that metropolis, that those freeholds, that is their stuff getting taken. Same with EVE Online, right? Your ship gets destroyed, it's gone. So everybody's going to have to answer the call, which helps out a lot in terms of PV, uh, PvP. Because then now, here I have 250 members all sitting here saying, I want to protect my place, I want to protect my home, my loot, my hard-earned, uh, the mounts that I got, that I bred, you know. So it's definitely going to be a lot easier than most games where, why should I have to show up for PvP? Why should I do this? Why can't you guys just take care of it? Well, now it's their own, you know, livelihood, so to speak. Their own RP, you know, even with our peers, right? If we lose our castle, well, we don't have a castle to RP at anymore. So it's definitely going to be a group effort from all of our groups, all of our inside our guild and outside of our guild with other guilds that we create this alliance with. They're all going to have, we're all going to have to band together to fight off invaders or to even step out of our node and take on like Anduin was saying, take on the evil, take on the, the goody two-shoes, you know, keep the balance of the world. That is our overall plan for PvP, is to not cause trouble, but definitely be the ones to end the trouble. I really like the stakes that are in Ashes of Creation and going into it. As you were saying, whenever you fight in PvP, it's... So with World of Warcraft, there is almost zero point to world PvP. It's... <laughs> There, there's there's no me, point. Yeah. Griefing, yeah. right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the whole point. That's You're it. just an that's asshole. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. I shouldn't swore on you. <laughs> but yeah, you are level 60 or were level 120. You went yep. to a low-level zone and you just camped and you had one person that would just wipe out the whole zone and your only recompense was to log off. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't exist in AOS. I love the corruption there. But also, what, what I really like about the stakes is that it kind of forces you to to make a deeper decision when building your character. I know if you're doing RP, so I, World of Warcraft is my primary MMO and has been since beta. So yeah. uh, like there's plenty of times I picked a Fury Warrior and yes, they, they, they're dual wielders, but I would just toss a shield on when I was just out world questing because I was bored and I liked the, the aesthetic of it. I was blocked off of half my abilities, but I was so strong it didn't matter. But with, just give you a bit of a handicap just to make it more interesting. Yeah, and I like the aesthetic of like just having a shield and a big monster sword or a spear or something. It's it, it felt good. But with oh, yeah. AOC, you're not that that handicap isn't at extreme cost because if, if you're not paying attention to how you're building your character, if, if you pick one ability just because you like it aesthetically, it might still put you at a disadvantage when when it's time to actually fight for what you want around you. It's it's it, it adds a lot more weight to those decisions, whether you actually, even if you don't really know that that weight is there, it's it's there, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Everything from, and I, I was talking a lot about the, your siege battles, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, on a grander scale, we're looking at, you know, defending our node, defending our towns, freeholds even, but definitely a lot of the PvP isn't going to be like that. Once again, kind of going back to my bread and butter, Eve Online, with you know my how I state it. But yes, you're going to have your big battles. You're going to have your 300 v 300 siege battles. You know your field battles where it's going to be an all-out war for you know probably a few hours. People coming in, respawning, coming back, trying to come back with whatever gear that they could you know put together to you know help fight. 
but a lot of the PvP and whatnot is going to be your caravans, your trade ships. You know, there's naval combat as well. Is definitely something I personally am heavy, heavily looking into and awaiting for Intrepid to release that information because you know, see the sea naval content, uh, underwater content, and whatnot is definitely going to be part of battles with underwater mounts stuff like that is definitely going to play an aspect in terms of naval combat being able to you know float under the water um, underneath an enemy ship and then go you know take it down but caravans your one-on-one pvp just randomly out in the world pveers are definitely going to have to change the way that they not going to say change the way they play the game but change the way they look at the game especially with ashes of creation because i could be out in my pve focus you know i just want to go harvest some materials you know get some xp grind away at some enemy you know and next thing i know i got this group of like two or three guys just coming over to me and you know they, they start ganking me they take me down i'm like oh dang i probably should have went with a group or i probably should have had you know maybe a buddy or maybe i should have been a little bit more vigilant of my surroundings you know situational awareness is definitely going to be a key factor on the small scale from just our crafters and gatherers going out to the big battles where a flank getting flanked could be the end of your entire army's, you know, advance mounted troops are going to be an uh, aspect. I believe collision uh, player mm-hmm. collision is definitely going to be a thing as well from what I've uh, read. So having a shield wall, granted it's not going to be the same as what you see with like Vikings, Romans, it's definitely going to be different because it is a video game, right? So it can't really, you can use real world tactics in this sense, but my job is to adapt real world tactics into this video game, taking into account the different archetypes, the range, DPS, close to DPS, tanks, abilities, healers, abilities. So definitely we'll have, we'll have a standing army that is going to be ready to fight, but also we're going to have your patrols. We're going to have your scouts. We're going to have everything down to, you know, personal guards, for our royals, for our officers, stuff like that. Crafters, when they go out, they're going to have a guard with them, you know, ready to go just in case if that group of... And of course, PvP in this game is going to be a little different in terms of one-on-one, stuff like that, because you just go around and start PKing. Well, it's not really... It is PvP in a sense, but at this point, you're just kind of running around playing the murderer. And I believe doing that, you're going to get uh, handicaps put on you as well. Corruption, I believe, it gets put on, put on you uh, for PKing with no reason. So you're still going to have those guys out there PKing just for the fun of it, doing quests, whatever, to get rid of, uh, to remove that corruption from them. Then you're going to have your groups, the skirmishes going around. If we end up going toe-to-toe with another kingdom, faction, guild, etc., definitely going to have your skirmishes is going to be probably the biggest focus of this of the pvp aspects because what's to say a scouting party of mine goes out to the edge of our node next thing you know here comes an enemy guild scouting party well you can conflict you cannot more than likely it's going to end up in a conflict if they get a little too close to each other because at that point you're just kind of like we're already at war with these people or tensions are high we want to kind of let them know each group's going to be like we want to let each other know where we stand so you're definitely going to have your skirmishes is going to be a big focal point. I don't see large siege, siege battles or even naval battles happening for the long for several months. The fact of how long it's going to take to uh, get characters up to max level, get the builds out, get the armor, you know, get the loot and whatnot to be able to really equip our PVPers. We'll definitely be hitting the ground running like us, like Anu was saying. We're going to have about 250 people to start if the game came out tomorrow. So. 
in terms of economy, in terms of being self-sufficient as a guild, we're definitely going to have that in terms of being able to equip our members with, you know, the shiniest armor, the biggest swords, you know, the best bows, etc. But it's more of a, more of the long-term goal is first several months is going to be your skirmishes, you know, your five on five, your 10 on 10, or even, you know, 10 on 20, because it's not always going to be a fair fight or even numbers. It's definitely not going to be, but that's what we're expecting. That's what we're planning for. We don't, we, I am taking into account that it could be the first week after uh, we get started, we end up getting into a node, we get it leveled up to node level three into a town or something. And then we get attacked by another guild or something, you know? So I'm definitely expecting it could be the first week we get attacked at our home base, but also in terms of large scale, 300, 300 probably won't be for a while. So we're definitely taking everything into account, taking in mm-hmm. that anything could happen at any given time. So not to sound like, a, oh, we don't expect to get attacked for several months to all the view, uh, listeners out there. We're definitely in terms uh, preparing ourselves to defend what we claim. We are definitely hoping for peace, for preparing for war. I get it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, stepping back from guild goals. Usually I ask the guild leader this question, but I think it'll be a bit more fun if I if I throw the two officers under the bus. So for the both of you, and you can fight for who answers first. Uh, oh, yeah, big thing with guilds, and I, I was I was contested on about this on, on my fourth episode, so I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think as well. But like, when it comes to guilds in, in a game, I've yet to see one that has made a guild a, a democracy. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you tend to have the guild leader, and he, that's, that's the person calling the end of the day shots. Would you guys agree with that? That, that guilds, uh, as good as the council might be, are still going to be at some point a uh, more of a theocracy? And how would you rate Kayvon as far as being a guild leader? You know, I'll take that one first. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've been leading guilds in MMOs, specifically RP guilds, since 2004. I want to say it, it, it's been a while and uh, Anduin and I have certainly clashed uh, over exactly this question and over uh, exactly which one of us is in charge uh, in uh, past instances and in past games. When it comes down to it, yes, there's, there's always going to be a council. There's always going to be uh, advice of uh, the players uh, that have contributed the most. But at the end of the day, guilt, a guild is a dictatorship. And sometimes the hardest part of being a guild leader is putting your foot down and making those difficult decisions. And, you know, when I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of person that usually enjoys being in charge, but I'm actually looking forward to uh, being under Anduin for once this time uh, because he, he's really shown that. Uh, Oh, God, I'm going to give him an even worse ego than he already has. But... I love it. I'm with <laughs> <you. laughs> <laughs> But he, he, he does a really good job of balancing, t- uh, you know, take, taking advice. Uh, you know, the, the Grey Sentinels obviously has, uh, you know, a council. It has advisors. Uh, he's really good about soliciting feedback from even people who aren't officers. Uh, and taking that into account, but at the end of the day, being willing to put his foot down and make sure that things are moving forward when it needs to. 
I'll go off of that as well with kind of like the old and the new here with Sabaya being, you know, from 20, uh, 2004 for me being 2016 in terms of our leadership experience with uh, different things. Obviously my leadership experience goes more towards the PVP, your PVE kind of aspects with Sebs being more PVP, uh, PVE and RP, but definitely covering all bases regardless, you know, from her being experienced from 2004 and still, having this you know that mindset with anduin is definitely the same for me right i'm the new guy of the group kind of i've been running groups for not as long but definitely some very hardcore groups that i've ran in the past anduin's uh his mindset in terms of running the guild is definitely a change of pace for me it's like it's a good change of pace right i was always so strict so like oh get this done get this done now you know very you know do it right now we gotta press the enemy. Press the enemy. Anduin was kind of the one who wrapped a ring, you know, brought me back and was like, take a step back, you know, kind of examine the battlefield to a point, and really take take everything in before making that decision. With the Great Council, which is uh, you know going to be our our ragtag group of officers in Anduin, we will definitely be coming together in terms of you know making decisions stuff like that. But yes, Anduin being the top dog is definitely going to have to be the one to make that deciding call, the, you know, the factor in, okay, this is what's got to be done. This is what we're going to have to do. And so far from what I've seen with my, I think, year and a half now being with him, he's definitely the guy who can make those shots. And so far he's made all the right calls in terms of uh, the games we played together, uh, even from just, you know, from uh, FPS games that we played here recently. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely a definitely competent uh, squad leader, platoon leader all the way up to you know the planet side battles where it's you know 100 v 100 he can take that stuff in he can make those calls those hard shots and he's definitely very very good at it and i have a lot of respect for him in terms as a guild leader and just even as a person with his mindset how he's kind of calmed me down because when i first joined i was very much like what are we doing for this we need this we need this and he was like we don't have that information yet. Just take it, but you know, take it down a notch. Sure. So, definitely being able to call me, you know, get me to take that step back is going to be uh, very. It's going to be very good in terms of the PvP aspects because you know we're going to get attacked. I may get a little overzealous and be like, "All right, we got to plan our, we got to plan our counterattack. We got to go after this. We got to take them down. Show them who's boss." And then Anduin kind of comes in and be like, "How about?" We take into effect, you know, these allies, this, 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 and then we make the game plan, you know. So definitely being the voice of reason a lot of the times, uh, he's definitely helped me out with that stuff. So definitely looking forward to uh, having him lead us to victory in the Ashes of Creation. Okay, I'm going to let you just kind of bask in that for a little bit. I'm basking like a... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm basking in the sun like a lizard on a rock. <laughs> so we have an RP, we have a PvP, we have the main leader. Do you guys have a an officer that's going to be in charge of the economic side of the game? Because obviously that's a huge yep. pillar. Oh, basically. Yeah. So how how our guild works is we are going to have oh Mavi, you're you're echoing just a little. Oh, bit. my bad. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a RP. Uh, so there's myself, and then you have an RP uh, leader. You have a PVP leader, uh, e- economics leader, and then a PVE leader. 
So how we do it is we're structuring things based on those separate things. But we also don't want to make it where if you're just a general member, we don't want our general members to be shoehorned into only PvPing or only PvEing and stuff. You know, that really happens with the people who step up to the plate and say, hey, I want a hardcore PvP, or I want a hardcore PvE, or if someone wants to just be a crafter and breed, or or a breeder and breed all, find the most rare mounts in the world and breed them, and then sell them back to the guild for, you know, a certain amount of profit that they would make, but, uh, but low enough where the guild can actually, you know, function. That's what we really want to do, is, you know, there's there's going to be all, all stuff for that. But one thing I would like to specify. Um, so GS, uh, how, we've, how we've approached the officer setting is we actually do not have any assigned officers yet. I know Ma the reason I brought these two in is I know that Sabaya has expressed since she first got involved with us, like probably about like a year ago, that she firmly wants to be involved with the guild leadership with RP. I've known Seb for years and years. But, you know, I know that when she comes in, she'll be able to step up to the plate and, and help with the planning and the organizing of things. Mavi, I've played with them. You know, when you play with someone for a long time, you kind of get an idea of how they are as a player and how they are as a commander. Sure. Mavi has shown me that he will definitely be, if not, if not the most senior PvP leader we have, at least one of the advisors and like a general or something to that main person because he has that experience and he's shown that he has that. So, you know, as we move forward, we're actually going to be starting to assign people into those ranks. And the reason we've been waiting is one, we've been recruiting people. So I want to make sure that we have the best people in the best positions. And then two, the game's not out for a while, so I don't want to create some odd hierarchy amongst members when the game's not even out. So then you have this weird click that forms at the top. Um, as Sabaya said, we have butted heads in the past. Um, Sabaya takes the idea of uh, the guild lead being a dictator. I think of it as the guild leader leads, but they should lead from the front, and they should have the help of their council members and of their advisors and from every member in the guild and use that to help organize and move things forward. So with with that being said, I'm highly against, you know, the ivory tower or the whole clickiness uh, amongst senior officers. I've uh, we've had times where, you know, I've told told members that only interact amongst each other to go out and make friends with, you know, new members and stuff like that. Because my idea is the guild's only strong if everyone in the guild, including the newest members, feel included and feel like they actually matter by being there. So that's kind of my philosophy on it. So, you know, uh, I guess that really over detail answer to that but yeah i guess that's kind of where we're sitting so so it's good to see that you guys already have those at least if not set in stone leadership you guys are planning for the big pillars for ashes of creation which you know obviously would be the the pve pvp role play if you're interested in it and the economy because that's that's a huge part of it i guess it 
while we're still here and it, it will dip a little bit into the RP as well. Is there a specific aesthetic, a, a racial aesthetic you guys are going to try to push for in the beginning? Or is it kind of just whatever happens, happens as y'all play? From what we've been seeing so far, at least in summaries of the various surveys we've done in our guild, most likely we're either going to be Empyrean, Kalar, Tolnar, or Vec. So personally, I'm deciding if I want to be Kayla or Empyrean based on, you know, the stats and, you know, what what you can do with uh, customizability for their looks and stuff like that. Still but, waiting on those passes and trepid. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're, 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 all, we're all still waiting just to even have an idea of what a Tolnar might look like. Very you true. know, uh, I yeah, I guess my my philosophy with the Tolnar is, you know, for all we we most of the guilds out there could be Tolnar if the Tolnar really look that cool. So, you know, personally though, I really love the Kalar aesthetic and I love the um the Empyrean aesthetic, you know. I'm I'm a huge fan of like medieval Europe or like of the Lord of the Rings uh Lord of the Rings elves and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I know when it comes to a metropolis aesthetic, we'll just say like city to metropolis aesthetic. I understand why whichever the predominant race is would have that as a predominant architecture type. Uh I don't know if they've mentioned it yet or if it's something that they might add in the near future where when you go in to build individual buildings, like as a mayor or a lord, if if you can eventually start to choose different architecture types, I'd love to see metropolises with a variety of different types of looking types of buildings and not necessarily just one homogenized city. I understand why it would make sense in the beginning uh, if it has to be something that's added into a an expansion mm-hmm. on the road. I, I would I would be fine with that, but yeah, that I would like to see that down the road for for guilds like yours that you don't have a mm-hmm. strict racial. You're not an all dwarf guild. So one thing that I've always loved, Stormwind mm-hmm. City. I love Stormwind, not before Cata, by the way, um, <laughs> because. I loved that you had the Dwarven District, and then you had the Night Elf District. I loved that. You know, that's what I wish the Metropolises would do: is that you would have the main race would be like the main theme, but then there'd be like a Dwarven District or an mm-hmm. Orc District, or you know, I feel like that give more life to these cities, and you know, it, it make people feel more at home because having a you know every you know it only gets the top race you know i i don't know i've i i i'm not exactly believing that's fair and i think it also kind of makes the cities a little you know i guess on creative because if uh, just just using world of warcraft for example uh isn't most of the population all human and elves like almost all of them like <laughs> If using that as an example and using every other MMO I've played, almost I I will believe probably ninety percent of the cities will be Kalar or Empyrean out there. I mean, uh yes, you will have some of the, the one the guilds that specialize in something like the dwarves or an orc guild. They'll they'll have their stuff, but I, I doubt I doubt we'll ever see like, you know, a Nikuan, uh, a Nikuan metro, or you know, maybe even a Renkai metro. Even though I love that Japanese aesthetic that they have. So as as we step away, I was going to try to do earlier, step away from the internals of the guild and into mm. more of just just some more meta plans. It's going to be a lot more where answers tend to go. We'll have to wait and see, but that's that's fine. Absolutely. Type of node. Do you guys know 
already? Do you have a slight plan on where, what you might be favoring as far as node type? Right now, yeah, I think the most con- the biggest consensus that we've come out with just uh, between you know the the future or the hopeful officers and whatnot, and even a lot of the guild members is the scientific node is definitely the one that we have kind of held up on the pedestal for the longest time because it's we know we know about it. We we know about all the you know we most of the different node types, but it's the one that seems to interest us the most due to I believe an election process to elect the uh, the lord or the mayor. Correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, Anduin. Mm-hmm. So that would give us the ability to uh, make Anduin the elected mayor, you know, the mayor. So he's able to set up the city, uh, the town, the city. You know how that's going to be beneficial. You know, to that to the same aspect, right? Uh, if that Intrepid does kind of give the customization options to create those kind of districts and whatnot by having a scientific node, being able to elect Anduin as the leader almost immediately as we can, it will give us the opportunity to create this metropolis, a future metropolis that GS has been standing on that we have created from the ground up. Each building was created, you know, to benefit you know, the node to benefit the guild or our allies and whatnot. So that is kind of our main focus in terms of not even just a PvP aspect, just a guild-wide aspect, the game aspect. It's going to affect, obviously the node's going to affect, the Metropolis is going to affect everybody in that node, anybody who becomes a, a citizen of that Metropolis, so that, you know, that node. So we want to build it up and build it up right. We don't want to have what I'm expecting to happen to some other cities that go through you know, this person takes over, they build certain buildings, and the next thing you know, this person takes over, then they build certain buildings, or this person takes over the city, like PvP-wise takes over it, then becomes a leader, and then they build up, and then you just got this mess of constructions, this mess of a metropolis that just gets built up, mm-hmm. and now it's there for the long run of the game, of that server. So we want to establish, get our people in as the leadership to build a note to build a metropolis to set up what will become a metropolis the right way that's going to benefit not just pvpers pveers our peers but also you know economy or crafters to create a thriving city that will not only be enjoyable for rp enjoyable for pvp rp because i'm also a very big RPer. i love it and i will definitely incorporate that into our pvp if possible during you know obviously there's gonna be some fights that are gonna be a little harder but Definitely want to create a thriving city that's going to have the shops, the buildings, all correctly place everything that's going, everything that's going to be needed for our people and our alliances and whatnot to have this thralling metropolis, this trade center of the node, or even the entire, the entire map, even. So okay. that is what our hopes are for it. Sabaya, are, are you in agreement as far as like the scientific node and hopefully being like the leaders of the node so that you guys can best uh, best plan out the, the the node, the surrounding nodes, the, the metropolis? I'm going to use the word node like a million more times in this episode. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Again, just touching back on the experiences of Star Wars Galaxies, just because AOC is so similar in a lot of ways. I almost had my city scooped out from under me uh, a dozen times. Saw it happen, you know, plenty of times to other people. So I think protecting the uh, the investment that, uh, you know, Grey Sentinels and our allies are putting into a node really has to come uh, before anything. And 
really, I would say, uh, ensuring that even at the cost of, uh, you know, bonuses that may be uh, more profitable really has to come first because, uh, I mean, if it gets swiped, it gets swiped and then we're just out of luck. You know, security and ownership control of the node has to take priority over anything else. Sure. I, I know a big thing also that we've we've looked into is, you know, what is that metro bonus uh, for each of them? We know that the economics has, you know, this, this world auction house. We know that uh, Divines will be doing something, something with PvE, it seems like, or some sort of buff. Um, and then, you know, you got the bounty hunter system in the, in the, the military node. Well, the scientific has literally one of the only ways of fast travel like the idea that you could teleport your entire guild from one corner of the map to like basically the middle of the world that's amazing not only for pvp but for pve then you don't have to make a trek across the world to you know go to the specific dungeon you can teleport to the nearest node that's in the vassalage at least you know of that of that metro so i i think that the the teleportation benefits the highest number of people instead of it just being the pvpers or just the economic people or just the pveers it benefits everyone so that's why i really look into it as we taper off this first half of the episode and before we start the next half which will be about that uh the guild community that you guys are also building uh, oh. for listeners that are interested if they like what they've heard so far uh where generally they can they hunt out more information on your guild so we are on the forums uh, as Gray Sentinels. Uh, we are also on the Discord itself as uh, I I post all the time, or you can find myself as Kayvon, K-A-Y-V-A-A-N, 2037, um, hashtag 1266. And that's my Discord if you want to reach out to me. Uh, for it, more information about the guild, or wanting to, you know, even we are we are open to possible alliances and open to making more friends or just straight up recruiting. We aren't closing recruiting until the game uh, comes up and if we have our max number that we're looking for. So we're always looking to bring in new faces. Awesome! And for anyone listening, I'm also going to have links to all of that in our written transcript. It'll be found at poppedoff.com. Guys, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. I had an absolute blast talking with Kayvon and his crew here at the Gray Sentinels. If you all are interested in this awesome guild and the huge plans that they have pushing forward into Ashes of Creation, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at popped underscore off, or of course my personal one at GG. I'm always happy to get you guys in touch with anyone that we've had on the show that you might be interested in joining. If you did get this far, I strongly suggest leaving us a five-star review anywhere that podcasts are found. And join us next week where we do part two of this awesome episode. We had no idea when we sat down to the interview that we'd have nearly two hours of amazing content for you guys. So we did split it off into two different parts. We'll have the next one out next week. Thank you again, guys. Have a fantastic day.